luckily, the only thing getting me through it was that I bought a car space uh, two doors down from my restaurant. So I would drive to my car space and I would look and I'd be like, okay, we opened at five. Yeah. People probably won't get there till about six thirty. Probably won't get busy. Okay, I, I can get there at six forty-five, and I would just wait in my car from like four thirty to six forty-five, and just be sad in my car. That is so depressing. Yeah, no, no, I'm not like I'm not a like, oriented towards car sadness. Hi, this is Chrissy Flanagan, Sydney self-appointed sausage queen. Said by the ABC's Mike Williams to be the overlap in the Venn diagram of sausage and politics. But that's altogether another podcast and you should definitely look it up. Welcome to The Slashies, entrepreneurs who lead double lives, the how and the why. Today we're talking to Andrew Levins, also known as Levins, also known as Lev's Dog, who has even more simultaneous careers than he does nicknames. What are your slashes? DJ, yes. Um, food writer mm-hmm. slash critic, mm-hmm. fiction writer. Whoa. Uh, so specifically, junior fiction writer, uh, po- podcast host, yes. Uh, event promoter, event host. Um, you know what? I've forgotten them. <laughs> Father, I guess that's a job. So that's what that counts. Uh, you, do you have a, a cookbook? Yeah, I wrote a cookbook a year ago, a while ago. But that, yes. that's kind of covered in food writing, I guess. <laughs> True, 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 yeah, true. Yeah. Um, uh, chef or chef, restaurateur? Yeah, ex-chef ex and restaurateur. That's, that's a big one too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, these are all things. I mean, if you want to go all the way back to when I was a teenager, like there was there were years when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, where mm. I would start doing a retail job or, or mm. I'd get a position like, you know, manning the phones at a, at a production company mm. and then I'd quit after three weeks. So yeah. I think in like 20, 2004, I had 14 jobs wow. over the course of the year wow. and I just, I, I got really good at quitting. <laughs> you're like, you know what, this sucks. I'm out. Yeah. Well, if, if you're going to leave, like you may as well in and out quickly. And if you're a teenager, do all the worst things, do the worst deeds of your life as a teenager. Mm, as people, in... people forget them. You, 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 you outlive your mistakes. Is that in terms of like doing hard jobs and growing for it or trying things and failing and doing that? No, I mean like kind of treating, this is terrible advice, but no, like, you know, (laughs) treating a job as just a way to fund the fun things you want to do. And then as soon as like a better opportunity um, arises, Mm. like people are always going to be able to find staff to work at retail jobs and and that kind of thing. And retail jobs can be great as well. There's no slight on them at all. But when you're young and just trying to, get a creative job or, or try and, you know, just trying to do things you love. Maybe you want to volunteer at a radio station. So you need to find just money. A job. Yeah. Exactly. Money, yeah. yeah. Just, just cut it off. Just, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah I, I did the six days of training for a, uh, for an Apple uh, reseller. Oh. And then the, the training was over and I was like, I don't, really don't want to actually work here. <laughs> like, so they, they just paid to train me and then I quit. That was a terrible deal for them. Yeah, no good for them. That was no good for them. Did you start these jobs going, maybe this is a thing? Or were uh, you always like, this so, is going to be a money job? I mean, I was a teenager living with my parents mm. who uh, were just constantly, not confused, but concerned that like, mm. what what's our son actually going to do with his life? Yeah. Is there a secret plan? Yeah, exactly. And so they would always be like, oh, my, you know, my friend from work, her daughter works here. And she said that if you go there, you'll get a job there too. And it'll work you up and it's vaguely related to what you want to do. And then, yeah, it would be like a receptionist job at a, at a media company that, that Mm. her, her friend from work's daughter has just after two years of slogging it out 
as receptionist has finally got an actual role there and now needs someone to mm. do the job that she hates. That's your job. And yeah. finally she has someone below her that she yeah. can just give all the shit that's yeah. been piled on her and for years. Kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that, was, that was not a very... Uh, that wasn't the highlight of 2004. Not super familiar. Yeah. Like, 2004, what a year, 2004. <laughs> so you, were your parents, when you were a teenager, they were like, oh, he's creative. We're going to have to let him sort his thing out. I mean, I was just like, I mean, he, it was like a part like, oh, he's creative. Also, he is a heavy drinker. <laughs> 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 and like, you know, relatively like, like carefree to the point where I was pretty reckless because, you know, when you have that bed that your parents yeah. pay, for, pay, you, oh. pay for you to live in, like you just do anything. You got a lot of choices. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think even throughout high school when it became evident that like I wasn't going to try anymore oh. um, and like dad would be like, you better go study for the HSC. And so I would go down yeah. to my room and like rearrange my CD collection. Wow. You're like, for two mm, hours. Yeah, maybe yeah. alphabetical, maybe yeah. colors. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> visual over audio you know there's so many different options but yeah I think you know there were always even like you know as a kid that kind of rejected the idea of doing sport which is something that yes. I kind of came to regret much later Did in life you? yeah yeah um oh that's a, that's a big conversation well okay okay all right okay, so I'm here for a while yeah. so when you when you are a young like creatively driven person I've got kids now. Yeah. My, my son just started school and <gasps> there's so many sports programs that are on offer. Yes. One of them is a cricket program across the road from our house in the park. And we live in like a very, like a massive Indian population in our mm. area. So like the, the, all the young kids that live in our building and go to school, like they, they just love cricket. Mm. I, don't, I hate cricket. Yeah. Yeah. But, it's awful. But so I, like when you're a kindergartner, mm. like everything's cool. And yeah. I want him to just like be given every opportunity to kind of work out what he likes. Yeah. When I was at school, I think because I showed like, even just like, I, I did like something called little athletics, but mm. essentially that was just like a bunch of kids fucking around on an oval yep. for a couple of hours every Saturday. Yep. Um, so I didn't really learn anything. I didn't test mm. my skills or kind of, you know, learn how to play a game. Um, and so by the time I get to high school, I've accepted that sport oh. is the thing that jocks do. Yes, yes. And someone creative like me, sport's not for them. So yes. I then go through like, you know, up to, I'm 34 now mm. and two years ago, I had a friend, like, after we had my second daughter, just be like, you're actually getting fat 11s. You need to, like, <laughs> you need to go and, like, you know, start working out and stuff like that. And I was, like, oh. always the kind of guy, like, whenever you see someone post about fitness and that kind of stuff, yeah. I'd be like, ah, gross. Yeah, the um, gym. And now I, like, I, I work out seven days a week. What do you do? I, like, just all kinds of training and jogging really? and, like, the – and I really want – this, I think this is vaguely related to no, no, because when you are a slashy, oh. it's all about like sorry I hate calling myself a slashy. First of all, gross, but you know whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but when, when you are someone who who does what they love yeah. for work, mm. every moment is spent. Well, you know, I could I could do this like you know especially because I'm to do the food writing stuff. So I was always like, oh, I could work out, or I could go and eat more, which I could then write about. Mm. And it's just and like, oh, I could go work in nightclubs mm. and then like ruin the next day as well as tonight, which I'm going to spend mm. drinking. Mm. Um, and I think like fitness is like a, a thing that more people that do what we do should be way more aware of. Absolutely. Because I, I I'm I'm pretty fit now, but. I wish that when I was in my 20s, when I had no responsibilities, yeah. where I would be like, oh, I'm going to watch a movie because it's for work, you know, mm. kind of vaguely because I'm a creative person and, yeah. and, and everyone else is talking about this thing, so it's I should related. do that. You know, I feel like you, you, when you have 
well, multiple spare hours in your in your life when you when you're in your twenties, like to actually make fitness a part of your mm. life is really important. It's one of the biggest regrets I have looking back on my life. Like you know, I have like wedding photos that I hate now because my oh. face is double the size that it is now. Really? Because like she that. married you? Yes, she did. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, so that bit worked out. Yeah, yeah, that was fine. I hear that because I um, also as a filthy slashy. You know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just my first. It was the first. I've always just had crazy fit parents who are like it's so important which made me hate it yeah right so, yeah yeah so i'm always enthusiastic for to drop it because i'm like i'm so busy i wish i could prioritize my health but i'm so busy yeah i mean i think that's the biggest problem yeah and i think it's like like you see i'm a massive like i love video games mm. and i um i read about the production of video games a lot and you always um, read about this thing called the crunch period mm. And the crunch period, which I'm sure it's not just in mm. video games as a, as, a, as a workplace, but crunch period is when everyone works, if you're like, you know, 16 hours a day yeah. and, and seven days a week. And it's the incentive, like, come on, guys, as a team, mm. we've all got to get this across the board. Yeah. When you work for yourself and you're a slushy, mm. I feel like there are times like you can, be, you can do that for an entire year. Absolutely. And just like neglect sleep, neglect your health, all that. And I think like, like that, that's not... A productive way to work and that's going to burn that's how you, like bur- the burnout mm. and i definitely burned out the hardest when i was running a restaurant mm. and i uh, had a we had a son and i was still djing and i'm still writing and doing all these things um i think for me though my, my brain like i can't focus and, and you would notice this because i've changed this, the the topic of discussion seven <laughs> times since you asked a question <laughs> My brain can't focus on one, doesn't like focusing on one thing at one time. So yeah. a restaurant is not the thing for me because that is constant. Mm. Whereas now I will write an article one week and then the next week I'll, I'll produce a bunch of audio content. Mm. Um, I'll promote an event the next week and then I'll DJ every weekend. And mm. like, you know, I can, now that I've, I've been the doing all these different things for so long, yeah. I, I'm at a point where I can, like, as soon as you break the corporate market, <laughs> Yeah. And like, you know, and you, cause you hate it so much when you get started, you're like, Oh my God, that's so disgusting. I'd never sell out like that. But as soon as you're able to you're like fucking sell out, do the thing you love, yeah. do the worst version of the thing you love for the most money. Like if I do, if I do one corporate event, I don't have to do any more work for the rest of the week. I can just yeah. be a dad for a week oh, and not have to worry about, mm. about that chase. That yeah. was like, that's one of the worst things about freelancing is that, 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 you know, the, the chase, like, you know, even though you're about to finish this big project, you know, that there's not one lined up immediately mm. after. So what are you going to do? Yeah. You're always yeah. on the pipeline. And I, so I'm from a corporate government background oh, right. and have yeah. still kept my government day job. Um, so I don't have that, like the horror of the corporate, but like, I am so there for corporate money. Like we sold a ton of sausages to a huge law firm the other day. I was like, it's so sweet. <laughs> and I was like, um, oh, here's, here's kind of the, the quote. And they're like, they literally said, don't don't care yeah, what oh man. it costs. <laughs> there are some brands that if they're like, you know, how much would it take, how much would it cost for you to play our Christmas party this year? And yeah. you're just kind of like, I'll just, just pick a weird number and put a three, three zeros after <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And every time they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay, great. It's they the, say yes. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, well, it's Christmas, isn't it? Yeah, it's exactly. It's Christmas 11th. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. I think like, yeah, it is. I think if you are going to just accept that like the, the, the crunch period mm. of your life is going to be present, you need to, Give yourself a break. Yeah. Take a holiday. Freelancers never take holidays. That's crazy. And it's sometimes it takes actually starting a family to yeah. realize that the need for holidays, especially if your partner 
is mm. a teacher, for example, and actually oh, has multiple job. holidays throughout the year. Crazy. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, yeah, treating treating your your slashes like as if they're a real job, even if they don't form like you know proper mm. hours or whatever. Mm. You've got to. There are certain parts of real jobs that you have to also make sure you pay attention to as well. Mm. Like so, paying your tax. Taxes Don't let that build up for seven years. So boring. Oh, you think 2004 was a bad year? <laughs> <laughs> let me tell yeah. you. Yeah, it's the importance of an accountant. Yeah. Uh, personally, which I you can was, claim. Yes. Just spend money on an accountant to do all the things that are the worst, the worst. about running your own business. So yeah. hard as well. Yeah, the worst. yeah, I don't enjoy them. I now have because um, I'm being. I tried to register Sausage Queen as a trademark. And mm-hmm. so I'm now in a trademark battle with Melbourne's self-appointed Sausage Queen, which is amazing. So I have like a lawyer as well now. Oh, wow. yeah, like that sh- starts to get sweaty. We've got all these corporate services. Whoever thought it would be small business would need so many high-powered professionals yeah, to support yeah. you in your sausage enterprise. But like <laughs> this is the nature of it. <laughs> so, your, so that's your broad slashies. What is your current slashies bucket? Uh, so I DJ every weekend. Yes. Um, I don't really like promoting anymore. The The way of promoting events is so reliant on social media mm. and figuring out how the fuck uh, Facebook's like current algorithm yes. works because they change it every few months. Yes. So you can be like on top of everything mm. and then suddenly the way targeted ads works or events works like it just it just changes completely and yep. what everything that you relied on to have successful events in the past is just useless now mm. uh, i just got so sick of that that mm. really burns me out also writing copy for ads and that kind of mm. stuff even if it is for like a small event that you only need to do like five ads for like it's still going to take me an hour that i'll that i just rather use my brain doing mm. literally anything else <laughs> yeah. um uh but yeah so yeah djing um so it'll be like maybe like a wedding um, and then a corporate event and then maybe two club gigs. Mm. Um, I still, I, you need an actual gig or I need an actual gig like that isn't playing to corporates mm. or some, like, I, I do like making everyone happy in that scenario too. I don't think they are as abysmal as I thought they were when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, but, and I'm, I'm good at it too, but um, you also need a place where you can play whatever you want and mm. just have that club atmosphere. And it's pretty difficult to maintain that in mm. Sydney at the moment. Club, the clubbing oh, uh, aspect yeah. is, is really rough. And a lot of people that were just DJs um, and didn't have all the other slashes like I did mm. were pretty boned when, uh, when all the lockout laws were introduced and yeah. it kind of Sydney's a, a club scene was just like abolished. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I DJ for um, pretty much every weekend. Um, and then uh, I host um, one weekly podcast and three monthly podcasts. And they make either money from Patreon, which is the way mm. that like your, your listeners and fans can support you. Mm. Um, but never rely on that. No. Because that's a hard thing to build up. Yes. It is, that's just like the cream, I guess. Like, you know, if I get anything, that, that's what I spend on funds. Actually, I lie. That goes directly to our Woolworths. <laughs> order for the week let's be honest <laughs> yeah um but uh because i can claim the fun stuff because i've managed to turn everything fun that i like into a, some form Seems of profit job, yeah, yeah. Amazing. um and then uh, i have a monthly column in the herald yes um i just got a publishing deal a book contract for uh for a series of kids junior novels this is amazing that i wrote yeah um and i have previous oh i also used to work for like record labels that's that's another slash so and i thought that was like the longest process ever went like the, like from having an album recorded mm. or, or a contract signed to actually getting the album out mm. but books take way longer 
Way longer. Yeah. Way longer. Yes. Yes. Are you? What's your age group you're targeting there? Uh, six to ten. Six so to it's ten. It's about a uh, a boy named Nelson who hates vegetables, but um, when he's forced to eat vegetables one night by his uh, grandma, who knows more than she's letting on, uh, it turns out vegetables give him superpowers. Really? So it's a superpower. It's like a superhero kind of kids book, a series where every book is a different vegetable and therefore a different superpower. Amazing. And then also the superpowers lend themselves to like different genres. So like, you know, like the one that he turns invisible is like an espionage kind of book, like a spy book, kid's spy book. Um, And then, yeah, he's got like a kind of cool team of people that know know about vegetables or are his family. (laughs) It's fun. Yeah. They're really fun to write, like just writing comedy books for kids. Yeah. That's, is that something you want to do? Is that like a big path for you in the future? Uh, Okay. I am like, I I work pretty hard and like, uh, I think, uh, I think when you've, been working for yourself for so long you kind of I have to you, there's no way you would still be working for yourself you know 15 mm. years after making the decision to do so mm. unless you um worked hard like or figured out oh. how to work hard yeah um but uh I lo- I've had a lot so many lucky meetings I'm like I'm pretty outgoing mm. um friendly person so I've made a lot of friendships that have then turned into business opportunities mm. very surprised like very surprisingly so like you know five ten years down the track mm. and so uh a friend of a girl who dated one of my friends in high school um, uh, yes. got in touch with me randomly a few years ago. We had kept in touch. It wasn't like completely out of the blue. Like, yeah. you know, we are friends, but that's how we know each other. Like if you go all the way back, she was like, this is the, the gap in the market when it comes to kids books. I'm about to have a new editorial role. I reckon you'd be really great. Wow. Yeah. That's see incredible. What, see what you can do. I mean, obviously, like, so that was like, the, I had to make the decision. Okay. I want to write a 15,000 word hmm. novel and for no, for possibly no money or anything to come out of it. Mm. And I think that's like, that's another really big challenging thing too, is mm. kind of balancing how much work you've got to put into something and how much you get back mm. either monetarily um, for a future career thing or just for yourself. Like, yes. you know, is, is this something that I want to spend a lot of time on just because it's completely different or everything else I've done so far? Do I want to prove to myself that I can do it? Mm. A lot of factors. Yeah, what's the value of that? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So you were thinking you wanted to write and this came in... The, so there was a suggestion to, for you to write sort of something slightly different. Yeah, I mean, I always... Like, my, my writing... For the Herald, it's it's pretty straight, mm. but there is like I you know I used to um, write for other um, food websites, but it would be very personality based writings, and there were yeah. tons of jokes in there and that kind of thing. And yeah. I like I like comedy writing a lot, so mm. that's always been something that I do want to eventually gravitate towards. Comedy writing for myself in, in text. Yeah, in... I mean, in, you know, like I'm a massive like one of my podcasts is a comic book reviews, mm. uh, so I would love to write a comics one day, and uh, you know obviously. I love you know TV and movies, so like that yeah. is the, that that is the. I'm not necessarily working. That's not my thing. I don't never really work towards something. Yeah. Opportunities arise that I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I could do that, and then suddenly that's my thing now. <laughs> well, you're very open to opportunities. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Must be. yeah. But were you so when when the the very random acquaintance friend said, "What about these kids' books?" Were you telling people at that time that you were looking for a new no, writing project? No, no, it was, she just, she was like, I guess told her, you know, if you, if you can think of anyone who might be good at this. Wow. Yeah, and because she, you know, she knew me and had read my writing, she thought, and I knew that I was, I, I'm, if you look at any of my social media now, like, even though it's cost me like a lot of followers, and I don't know if, you, if this is something you found speaking to people, but like when you're a slashy 
and you have a following or whatever on social media, there are people who follow you just because you write about food or maybe they're at mm. your restaurant or they're just, you know, like you as a DJ and want new music recommendations. So when you post the other things that you yeah. do in your life, they're like, I don't care about this shit. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. tricky. And I, I read advice once saying if you're posting very different things you should have different instagrams for that and i was like i don't feel like yeah. that's practical so just take me through the the youth so you were so school interested trying things school, doing jobs i am um, a radio station i grew up in hornsby and a radio station called triple h which stood for triple hornsby opened <laughs> um and it was just like it was someone's house that they turned into a studio that's and amazing. like all the shows were like run by like rsl dudes and um wow yeah I went in there, uh, two, two friends that I actually, I used to do, uh, I was a drama kid, and so um, there was a, uh, a guy in the year above me, Dan, who used to write plays, and then when he, he would get me to be an actor in them, mm. um, and he, we lived really close to each other, and um, he was like, hey, a radio station opened up around the corner from me, do you want to come and uh, host, host a show, host a radio show with me? And so that was, yeah, I would have been like year 10, I guess. So I, every every Sunday night, we would do a two-hour radio show on Triple H. Nice. And that kind of gave me the kind of taste of like, oh, yeah, I like being able to like talk about music. Mm. And um, when they got too busy during school um, in year 12, they stopped doing it. And so I got two of my other friends from my year to do it with me. And we would have had that radio show for about two years or so. And then um, when FBI reopened in mm. Sydney, now, now famous radio station, mm. in like 2013, but it was in 2012, so I was in, in, in year 12, and there was a call out for people that want to be on the radio station. And I went in there and I just shaved my head for... Um, uh, shaved my head for the cancer for a cure thing and I got a big trouble from my school because I shaved it down to nothing but like I just I think everyone remember me as like this like young kid with no hair yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah I, um, I ended up actually like getting to a point but by the time they eventually went, 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 went to air in September 2013, uh, obviously I'd finished school in 2012. Um, I got into an arts degree, a digital arts degree, because I wanted to make movies, and I thought that was how you learned how to make movies. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, in the same year, I signed up for a digital media, like a full-time digital media degree in Roselle at SEA. Um, I um, started volunteering um, for this radio station and was like, um, I would eventually end up doing three afternoons a week um, as the afternoon host. Um, and uh, I also turned 18. So all I wanted to do was go out and see bands and drink every night. And I did um, while balancing the radio and the, um, the art degree. And I got glandular fever in the middle of the year. And um, when I got better, and like I, I got so sick. I was in hospital for a few days. I'm now still allergic to penicillin because I was given the wrong medication. Oh, wow. um, my entire face like ballooned up like two centimeters, like my entire body, like basically like, yeah, like a massive uh, puffy rash, real good stuff. And when I finally was okay and the doctor was like, you can't drink for six months, you have to take it easy on yourself, cut some things out of your life so you can have more rest. Mm. I was like, it's been six months. I actually haven't learned anything at mm. my arts degree, but this radio station FBI, I've met so many interesting people. I'm getting like work opportunities, be it like, you know, being paid to flyer for bands and, and shows that I like. I've been thanked in album credits because of that work, which was like my dream. Yeah. Like, well, how cool was that, you know? Um, and, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on the door for every show that mm. I ever want to go to. Like, mm. this is clearly the better thing in my life right now. Mm. 
I want to just volunteer at FBI and make that my you know tertiary education, mm. learn about the music scene that way, and eventually get a job in the music industry. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was end of 2003 and 2004 was my year of 14 jobs and volunteering and uh you know i think the closest i got to a a job relevant to me was working at a a record shop in newtown for for a few months um but fbi was always the constant thing and i had i was the afternoon presenter i interviewed stacks of um musicians and bands and artists that i really like um people kind of would come up to me at gigs like you're that really young guy that has it has it does the afternoon show on fbi that's so cool and so like yeah on a very impressionable age was like this is i made the right decision yeah never regretted leaving art school mm. um and then yeah I, eventually a year after that was when i started getting a kind of way more relevant work doing what started out as like you know shit kicker jobs at like doing like the mailing list or um you know like literally stuffing cds into mail for record labels but still at the end of the day being able to take 20 records home mm. you know and that was mm. that was all I, all I wanted was to see shows and, and buy cds um so um, yeah, so that, uh, that I was fulfilled in that part, and then I was just kind of finding better work. Uh, and then because of my, uh, because I was playing music that I liked, people would actually call me up in the song breaks and be like, "Hey, you've got a really good music taste. Do you want to come and play records in between the bands at this show?" Wow. And so that's how I started DJing. That is so interesting. Um, it, it was it was a time where like, if you wanted to see a DJ, you would go to a dance show or yes. a hip hop show. Yes. But the term indie DJ wasn't a thing yet. And so I was in that first wave of people that would, yeah, from starting either playing before or after bands at a, at a live gig, um, would then play like indie rock and like, you know, hip hop stuff that I liked. Um, and so, yeah, in 2004, that's kind of what I was doing on the weekends. And I actually taught, taught myself how to DJ while being paid a pittance to DJ. So I, I learned to DJ on the equipment that I was DJing on to people. Which wow. is not the best way to learn, but that's that's how I did it because I couldn't I couldn't afford the equipment back then. Not the worst model. No, yeah, no. Um, and you know obviously the DJ scene is very different now. Everyone is very aware of what a DJ can and, and does do. Yes. But um, back then it was yeah I, I got approached for so many things just because of my radio show. I would be able to play the exact genre of music that I liked, mm. and when there were more niche things coming up, like this DJ called Diplo came to tour in two thousand and five, mm. and me who had been DJing for a year. Um, I got the support for it. That's amazing. And that begins, like, he and I had, like, this weird connection. I was, like, the second time I took drugs in my life. <laughs> I should probably cut that out. <laughs> that was, that yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I want to show my yeah. parents this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my kids, I guess. Yeah. Um, but he, at, at the end of, uh, at the end of uh, this night, like, it was the night that um, this producer called Jay Diller died. Yeah. He died this weekend. And, um, He's incredible. Uh, yeah. So Diplo... Um, was he he played like his his kind of like weird mix of genres he was like my hero when i was a teenager in early 20s and um uh he plays at this club which i was actually booking at the time i was Mm. a club booker for this place called the mandarin club and when i heard he was touring i called the promoter and fought for it to be at the club that i booked because we were the only club that was playing the music that he plays so we should be the ones on there and then when she looked into it realized it like you know that that it was me too she was like well you should dj too um, and we had this weird connection afterwards because I played like it was the day he died. I played a bunch of Slum Village songs, which is Jay Diller's group. And Diplo, like at the end of his show, jump, grabs on the mic and goes, "This, this is my favorite DJ in the world right oh. now." <laughs> um, <laughs> You're like, oh my 
and then uh, we go out to a bar after the gig like him and like me and the promoters and a bunch of other girls that just wanted to be with Diplo um, and he's like here's my MSN messenger email hit me up let's share some music and wow. so I shared with him like a bunch of Australian stuff at the time like, it was like a weird thing it was like if you Australian music it's inherently white you know what I mean like mm. it certainly was then there's the you know there's there's pockets of amazing black Australian rock in the 80s but um, and there's certainly more of an awareness of it now and, and the radio is pushing to search out and play that that stuff more but back then he was like how come like your Australian hip-hop scene is just all white people mm. um, and so I tried to find like Aboriginal artists that were that were making um, rap to send him and I found a compilation that came out uh, you probably, if you were like around uh, in the early 2000s, late 90s, um, it was called, it was by uh, Morganics who did this, um, the song was called Down River, it was by mm. the Wilcannia mob. Yeah. And it was like a, oh. a, a hip hop workshop that he did with a bunch of kids. And uh, I sent that to Diplo and he was like, what the fuck is this? This mm. is the coolest thing I've ever heard. It has the didgeridoo backing and the kind of, the, the tapping sticks turn into a hip hop beat. And straight away he like, puts adds extra kicks to it and starts playing it out in his DJ sets. He sends it to MIA who then did a version of it on her next album. So all of so Morganics and all of the kids that were on the track actually got residuals That's from the amazing. MIA album. Wow. I, I don't know how strictly it was monitored. I hope those kids got money. Yeah. But then she also then MIA who's collaborating with like the biggest producers in the world at the time gives it to Timberland. Timberland rips off the beat for a Snoop Dogg song and it's all linked to me sending wow. this MP3 to Diplo on MSN Messenger in like 2006. Oh my <laughs> god. That's that's a- extremely awesome did that feel like you were the most powerful man in the world no but it did um, this actually reminds me I forgot a slashy I also own a charity yes I started a charity uh, uh, in 2007 Diplo was coming back on a tour he was so inspired by hearing that music he was like I want to do a hip hop workshop too Mm. Um, and so he he told the promoter that the same promoter brought him back out and she was like Levins you gave him this idea you need to help me with this Mm. I've got him into um, a community in Darwin Manangrita um, for a few days but he wants to do something in New South Wales too and so my friend Nina Agzarian, who is known better as Nina Las Vegas, yeah. um, her mum was the principal at a school in a juvenile justice centre in Wagga Wagga. Wow. So after Diplo did like the Big Day Out tour, he stuck around in Sydney for a week and we took him to Wagga Wagga and we took him to a kid's jail for uh, every day and we made a bunch of songs. And uh, it was a really amazing experience. Um, and... Uh, the, the, the kind of week ended and he had all this equipment that was donated and um, and licenses for programs and things like that and he was like oh we should just donate this to you know somewhere that will use it and because it was very specific equipment that like I, I've since seen when you give even things like laptops they just mm. sit in a pile and they don't get used if you, if you donate them to like a youth centre or mm. something like that so I was like why don't you give it why don't you leave it with us and mm. we'll start a program that not only takes the equipment back to it to these kids but mm. we'll teach them how to use it mm. and we'll be the ones that know how to use this equipment like you know actually you know keep recording this and continue these workshops and he i pitched that like late one night hadn't spoken to nina about it nina was like well i want to do that too and so diplo's label at the time is called mad decent and he was thought it was so funny how kids in Australia always describe things as heaps good or heaps funny. Yeah. So we're like, let's just call ourselves heaps decent. Yeah. And so we, um, if you think registering a business is difficult, oh. registering a charity is so crazy. And we didn't actually, we weren't actually able to do it properly until 
we've been doing our workshops for a few years and getting pretty much any time an artist come, came out, Diplo would, he was, because he was like, it was the three of us, even though he wasn't in Australia, he would email, introduce us to all these artists that were coming out. Um, and, uh, and then they would come and do a, a workshop with us at a community center or a juvenile detention center or wow. at a youth center. Um, and first we wanted to be like a record label that put out mm. songs with these kids, but the legalities around that um, it's just so difficult and tricky because it's, especially when you're working with kids in juvenile detention centers, you can't release their names. Yeah. So the songs aren't, can't be credited to anybody. Mm. And so it took a few years, but we actually realized this music isn't actually for us. It's not for a public to hear. Mm. It's for the kids to make it mm. and it's for them to have and to share with their friends mm. to show like, hey, this is this thing that I made and something for them to kind of look forward to doing again. Mm. Um, and heaps decent grew exponentially it's still I'm, I'm just a board member now mm. but it still does like anywhere between 10 and 30 workshops a week um, a week yeah and like all over all over New South Wales sometimes like heading um, up to Darwin and other, other states as well but yeah they're, they're we're mostly grant funded now and who are you grandfathered through? Because I know that's fiendish for everything, everyone. Everything. Like, like every, every council? Sometimes. But Some, that, sometimes yeah. they'll be like, no! And then you oh. just like, fucking panic. And wow. we have, like, we, we partnered with um, with music festivals. Fuzzy Australia, who used to be, like, uh, used to be our main benefactor. Hmm. Um, uh, but the situation changed a few years ago. And now we um, partnered with um, the... Uh, FOMO Festival. Yeah. Um, and they, they, they donate um, a really generous donation that they... Um, add to the ticket price mm. and then that all goes to charity that's a yeah so like clever ways like that that is and i feel like that is like a freelancing way to think about running a business it's like yeah, how can i get money for this thing for no, the weirdest yeah, yeah. The crazy smart structure yeah yeah um, to build that in and then you know you've got that just meeting fixed costs totally but so we were doing um we were running nina and i who nina is you know always a little bit busier than I am um, <laughs> no matter how busy I feel she's got stuff on um, but uh, we were running heaps season ourselves putting our own money into it yeah. for, for years and then Fuzzy saw what we were doing and, and they were like if you want to grow have us come on board we'll assign someone to work with, with you part time and we'll pay for them and we'll also um, th- we'll restructure your, your taking so that you're able to pay yourselves a wage out of your you know, out of out, mm. like so, because so you can actually work on this proper and grow yeah. it properly. So that was for a few years. That was a that was my main focus. I was traveling everywhere, every single day of the week. Mm. Um, so much rural, so much of rural Australia throughout my week, and um, and making songs with kids. I've, I weirdly, even though I've like music's always been a massive part of my life, I have no interest in creating it myself. Mm. But I do like writing raps for kids. I don't know if it's, I mean, it's the writing part of me. I, I, that, that, that's always yeah. Yeah. Well, my name is Keith, and I like to blow. You know, I like stupid stuff <laughs> like yeah, like you know, if I'm running for a six-year-old, that's like I'm good. You know, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you do yeah, love, yeah. love like a my name but, is. Yeah, oh, no, that's just like that when you're doing like <laughs> when you're doing kids' workshops, especially with the younger kids or mm-hmm. like shy kids, you just want to make it like the most simple. This is the thing about how great I am. It's yeah. four lines, and then they record it, and they hear them, their voices back, and the entire class is like, "Oh my god, yeah. Keith is the coolest! Yeah. I want to do something like Keith, Keith. did." Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, but yeah, that was like that was a, a big focus mm. of my life, and still something that you know I still have sitting on on board meetings and kind of oversee a lot of stuff. But if I want to do workshops again, it means being away from my kids. Mm. Uh, and uh, so it's not really a priority for yeah. me anymore. But it's still, we have, we have multiple staff and mm. uh, earnings and workshops mm. still going on to this day. So when you transitioned out of the day-to-day of Heaps Decent, 
what did you pick up more of? Uh, well, so I met my wife in 2008. I was a DJ. She was a promoter, oh. uh, club promoter. That's and convenient, though. Yeah, really convenient. Yeah. Beautiful romance. Um, and uh, <laughs> a few years of, it would have been three years of us being together, um, uh, she would always kind of started to express, like, because she would work until like six, seven in the morning on ooh, Saturday nights. Ooh. So like Sundays would be a write off and then her body clock was just so fucked up that she would sleep till like 2 PM every day. Mm. Um, so she started expressing like, I want to get out of this line of work. Mm. Um, and we, when we started dating, um, we, that, that thing that happens when you meet some the right person, we realized we both loved cooking and eating and mm. traveling to eat and food became a massive part of our lives. And so uh, she bought me a Weber for my birthday. And then that just became like my, my, my focus was just like recipes, inviting hundreds of people over, throwing these enormous barbecues and cooking American barbecue because we couldn't find it anywhere in 2010. Mm. And um, she was obsessed with sandwiches and had like a sandwich blog that was quite famous and got got like featured in newspapers and magazines. Um, and uh, she decided I'm going to open a sandwich shop. And she started putting a business plan together. Um, and at the same time, um, one of my best friends and DJ partners in my uh, DJ crew, Rochambeau, uh, Jimmy Singh and his partner, Hana Shimada, um, opened up a nightclub called Good God. Mm. And uh, Good God was this unbelievable passion project for those two guys Incredible. that like, was just so inspiring to me and Bianca. Um, so she's putting this this sandwich shop idea together and she's like I'm going to work mornings that'll be my focus is like an office crew and I was like oh my god if she does this we are going to never see each other yeah, yeah this yeah. is terrible like and so I'm DJing at Good God and just there all the time at my friend's club and there's this unused kitchen space and he's kind of like putting the feelers out trying like at the, at the time they were doing like toasted cheese sandwiches at the bar that was mm. the extent of their food and um, he was looking he was like, interviewing different people about coming in and doing food and I said, Jimmy, what about, what about me and Bianca doing the, uh, the, the restaurant here? And he was like, what do you mean? You've done nothing like that in the past. <laughs> you have no, neither of you had any food background. And I was like, I want to put something together because this is actually something that I think I want to do. Yeah. And so we put a mission, you know, like whatever. What do you do when you do a business? A mission, mission statement? Yeah, like, I don't know. It's a restaurant. Business plan? plan. That works. Yeah. Business plan. <laughs> and uh, we call it the dip. Yes. And it's an American style diner with like, a, you know, a bit of Tex-Mex influence. Mm. Um, it's comfort food. It's perfect drinking food. Yes. And it's all things that at the time I thought were American staples that should be everywhere that weren't anywhere. Like mm. there was a time where it was impossible to get a good cheeseburger in Sydney. Yes. There was a time before. It was like, it, you know, it was forget. always like, oh, no, a, 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 but we only do burgers with like, Wagyu mints uh, and, and like seven different vegetables yeah. on a really tough damper roll. So you know you're And you're like, no, 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 that's yeah. not what this should be about. It should yeah. be a really simple five ingredient cheeseburger. And so I had that. There was no, no way to get hot dogs. And since mm. we closed, I feel like there's still, there's, there's not, no way to get hot dogs mm. anymore. Mm. Did you do Frankfurt's? We do a sausage sanger. We don't do like the, the red skin. I love the red, the red skin oh, smoke. it's filthy. No, but like you haven't had a good one. I have not had a good have one. Yeah, kosher. We used to get kosher beef Frankfurt's. Yeah. And um, they're smoked beef. Um, it's just, you know, all these is just beef with a high fat content mm. and they moose the meat instead of coarse. Mm. Um, and I used to grill them. And because the, fa the, the fattiness of, uh, no, I'm like, oh yeah, fuck yeah. These guys talk about sausages. <laughs> <laughs> Fully hooked in right now. I used to char grill them. Yeah. Um, and the, so the, the, the skin blisters and the, the smell of the sweet fat yeah. oh, in those smoked frankfurts. Like, oh. Yeah. 
Um, so and then, wait, wait, sorry, were they steamed first? Uh, like par cooked, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't eat them raw; you get sick. No, yeah, 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 yeah. My God, yes, yeah. Um, but they, they, they would they would be smoked, not smoked. not steamed. Yeah, oh, yeah. smoked, like and then a boiled frankfurt is disgusting. It is Don't disgusting. boil your frankfurts. Grill them on a flat top or on yeah. a or over flame. Filthy. Um, but and also like I like pork can, can be very good, but I much prefer beef uh, frankfurts, which Man. is a rarity here. So find a kosher butcher. There's one in um, in Bondi called Elliot at Hadassah. Mm. So like that Hadassah butchery. Um, and we used to get them from there, um, and then. They, they found out that we uh, that we used to wrap their kosher hot dogs in bacon. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but uh, then I would steam steam buns. So we would, we'd get like um, potato bread buns. Um, and one of the biggest reasons I closed my restaurant was because I fucking hated dealing with suppliers so much because like a bakery would suddenly be like, oh, hey, by the way, um, we're not doing bread anymore because we just got a, um, an offer from Qantas to make their pies. Mm. So that's our focus now. Okay, oh, starting when? Oh, last week I forgot to tell you. Oh. You're like, oh, so there's there's no bread today. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that was, and then that was just like it was just constant little stressful things like that. Yeah. Um, Many moving parts with suppliers. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, the, um, it was yeah, steamed bun. I used to, my, my my one the Lev's dogs. Everyone got my an old nickname is Lev Dog, so I put a dog on the menu called the Lev's Dog, um, and uh, it was yeah, kosher beef frankfurt, steamed bun, chipotle mayo. Uh, tomato salsa on one side, pickled yellow bullhorn peppers nice. on the other side, nice. and then um, you've got to have it um, American mustard on top. Oh, you, you do have to have it. Not to be obsessive, why kosher beef? Um, because there's no at the time there were no other beef franks in in Australia. Oh. The only way you could get them is if you get a uh, you know people that they're interested in making them is because you can't eat the pork variation what what casing was that in? is that an it's artificial sheep's, ecology sheep's casing. No, oh, sheep's sheep casing. Yeah, so yeah. they would have been thin yeah 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 oh that's yeah. interesting because they're like the no no thick ones are fucked you want to get thin you, like, that's the thing the problem with like and this is my problem with what what happened with burgers is that like Burger is a the the meat in a burger oh is, is a part of the burger. It I needs the, you need the balance. Totally. You need the yeah. pickles. You need the lettuce. You, you need do. the onion. You need the and then you need the bread. Like I don't understand like the, the people who put like triple stack yeah. of, of of meat on there. No, it's insane. I had an aggressively thick patty. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It should like thin. Thin. Yeah, yeah. No way for the flavor to hide. Um, and the same thing with with a hot dog too. You actually want a, a thinner kosher frankfurt. That is, yeah. that is thin. Like because yeah. lamb, the largest lamb. Is not not only this is great. (laughs) This has become the sausage podcast everyone's been asking for, because lamb they're really really hard lamb sausages um, casings are really hard to fill because they're really really fragile Mm -hmm. and um, they yeah I can see how they they would have blistered and the skins would have burst quite because it's just it's very very delicate skin they often burst in filling but they often burst in cooking as well. Yeah, I think they had to um, use synthetic ones during um, part. Passover, oh. yeah, well, um, yeah, because like the, the, their their diet is altered during during those oh, months. Yeah, that's very interesting. So like for like two months every year, our hot dogs would be kind of different and would burn easier. <laughs> it's a it's yeah. a period. So, so, I, I think that's just like yeah, that restaurateur is the ultimate like just fucking go with it. Like you can only be yeah. so in control of the madness that goes into running a restaurant. Absolutely, yeah. Our, our friends down the road, we're like, oh, your chips are different, and they're like, yeah. Oh, if you cut your own, this is like we we tried to cut our own fries like the first three months we were open, and then suddenly the potatoes are just different. And yes. I said to my supplier, "Hey, what's up with these potatoes?" He's like, "Oh yeah, the chemical balance of potatoes changes uh, three times each a year." What? And I was like, "What?" And so like because the sugar was higher or some bullshit, 
I couldn't make my fries crisper. Oh my god! Yeah, so the the day that we moved to frozen fries was like such a great, amazing one because we weren't spending four hours a night cutting up 40, 40, potato, 40 kilos of potatoes. But then also like resenting their individual sweetness or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're in the dip. Yep. What happened with the dip? Um, we had a kid. Yeah, that'll but do it. But before that happened, like I reckon we were like three weeks into running a restaurant and we got through that madness where we're like, okay, I think we can do this. Mm. But instead of thinking that, I was like, oh my God, how long do we have to do this for? Oh, oh wow. So we were open for three and a half years. Um, uh, and I, I'm really proud of my work that I did there. I wouldn't be doing a lot of the slashes that I do um, today if we hadn't opened a restaurant. Mm. I wouldn't have a cookbook. Mm. Um, that experience was another one that was not great for whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that one offline. Uh, but um, yeah, at the beginning of 2014, um, we had our son Archie, and I was already kind of like looking for any excuse to take a night off mm. and work on other things. Um, and uh, when Bianca, my wife, had to take, like she couldn't obviously work at the restaurant anymore once we had had, had our son. Um, so she was at home with him all the time and I was running the restaurant. And I think the hardest thing about running a restaurant is staff. Yes. And you, the best moment of the restaurant was like, two years in where everyone who was working for me had been working for me for two years Mm. and I loved them and we had such a great thing going and I could have a night off and they'd be fine you know and like it would be challenging sometimes but we'd get through it together and it was awesome and then they go like not naturally hey Mm. I'd I need to look for new work or like you know I've gotten a new job I'm I'm changing what I want to do like Mm. you know Obviously, someone who washes my dishes at a, at a, at a diner, that's not his career goal. Mm. Um, and so then you have to find new staff. And we, <sighs> I don't have any formal training as a chef, so we never hired anyone with formal training as a chef, which meant that it was a nice casual vibe in my restaurant. Mm. I'm, I, if anything, I'm too friendly as a boss. Same, same. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, it was a lot of training on my behalf. So like every time we hired someone new, it was always me like, having to work harder mm. to make sure every other facet of the, of, of, of the restaurant was, was working. Um, and uh, there were moments when I really needed my staff to be there for me, like I had for them when they, you know, needed me to do favors for them in the past, yeah. um, when, when my son was born and they just weren't, and I never really forgave certain members of them. Yeah. I never said anything. But, just um, the resentment. And I got to the point where I, um, I hated my restaurant. Oh. I absolutely hated it. I hated being there. I hated going there. <sighs> I would leave my wife and my son. Yeah. And I would drive to work. And like, luckily, the only thing getting me through it was that I bought a car space uh, two doors <laughs> down from my restaurant. So I would drive to my car space and I would look and I'd be like, okay, we opened at five. People don't, probably won't get there till about 6.30. Probably won't get busy. Okay, I, I can get there at 6.45. And I would just wait in my car from like 4.30 to 6.45. You didn't. And just be sad in my car. That is so depressing. Yeah, no, no, I'm not like, I'm not a... Like, Oriented towards car y- sadness. Yeah, but that, I, mean, I think I probably, you know, would have been prescribed something if I were to yeah. have accepted that that was going to be my life from that point forward. Mm. Um, and... Uh, instead of that 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 kind of making it like i had maybe a month of that yeah and i was like i sat down with my wife one night who hadn't been to the restaurant in months at that point 
and I said like I am going crazy at the restaurant at the point because she was because she was um, replaced by someone full time mm. um, my sister who was doing an amazing job mm. um, but we were paying my sister mm. and like if you work full time a lot of people don't know this if you work full time at someone else's restaurant you're making more money than they do a hundred percent and we were having people that were working four nights and making way more money than B and I combined because award rates are huge like yeah. we pay our staff a lot in Australia yeah which is great which is great but however the business small business owners don't make any money yeah um, and it got to the point where I was working without my wife in my restaurant hating it but also having to DJ and then put my money that I made DJing back into the restaurant uh, to cover the fact that we were having to have like during the quietest months of the year yes. have her, her shifts covered um, by other staff and um, I was just like why the fuck am I doing this mm. I like DJing mm. there's actually more money to be made from DJing could do more and, and, and I want to do I want to like there's so many other things I'm doing but all I'm doing is just being sad struggling to carry like to carry mm. this restaurant yeah you know and we, this is we're in a nightclub at the peak of lockout law stuff mm. so everyone in that club is just having a miserable time yeah because everything's changed yeah people aren't going out as much people aren't spending as much like you know we're not making anything bleak um, and so I wrote my business plan which mm. was my plan for here are all these streams of revenue that I know I have, mm. like I can do two heaps decent workshops a week. I can do all these extra gigs here, these bar gigs that I can do every night of the week if we need to. Mm. Here's um, writing that I can, like you know, I, I, I've, I've written all these pieces that you know made a little bit of money in the past. I can pursue that further and start writing, mm. um, you know, regular pieces for other websites, and that can be a revenue stream too. And my wife sat down went over it, and she was like, "You really hate the restaurant." Oh, I'm like, "Yep." And there's no like you you don't want to go back there, do you? And she said, "Well, no." Mm. And I was like, "This is so stupid. We're spending the money that I'm making from my other other yeah. job to keep this thing that we hate afloat. Yeah, we need to put a pin in it." And so we considered trying to sell it, trying to, to like, you know, just let the, 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 the club owners, our friends kind of like buy it. Um, and there's just all these caveats to like, you can sell it, but you can't tell anyone that you've sold it. Yeah. We want people to know that you're, you're still Associated, behind it. Yeah. And I was like, I like, oh, hate that. What, what, if, I, what yeah. if a few years from now I realize I've made a terrible mistake and I want to do the dip again somewhere else in some different thing. I want to keep owning that, yeah. that brand. Um, and uh, so we decided, all right, we're just going to close and mm. we are going to tell everyone we're closing and everyone is going to be reminded, oh shit, we love that place. And hopefully we have a really busy Couple last six yeah. weeks. Mm. And I, we made more in those six weeks than we made in the entire year before Sydney. it. Oh, Sydney. Yeah, as soon as they think, as soon as there's like, you put, you put a finite amount of time yeah, on like, things. Oh, God! Oh, my yeah. God! That's why, like, yeah, like, the, the busiest time to get into a club now is, like, well, for a while, it was just before lockout came in. That's, oh, yeah. God! We've only got an and they only have an hour at a club or whatever before, before last drinks are called. It's very Sydney, whatever. <laughs> just has always been what Sydney does. It is what it is. No one gets to a club early. No one, no. like, no, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, so we went out with a bang and, and had a really great time. And then, you know, two weeks before we, we, we shut our doors proper, I got a call from someone, uh, again, a friend who I'd worked with on completely unrelated things. I've written a few things for their magazine. Um, and I got offered an editor job for a website that was about celebrating Sydney. Mm. It was called 2000, the thousands. Mm. Um, and um, I had no experience doing an editor job or writing that much. But, okay, that's a three-day-a-week job. 
all right, I can scratch those streams off my business plan that I didn't want to commit to. <laughs> and this is what I do three days a week now. Yeah. And then after six months of doing that, I, got, I, I, uh, I applied for a job at another magazine and it was a full-time food writer position. Mm. And um, I had another crossroads where I, was, I, I got the job, mm. but it was a massive pay cut. And they were like, we don't want you doing all of your other streams. Um, and uh, I was like, my, like, B was like, I thought you wanted to be a food writer. Like you've been handed this yeah. essential like like dream job, dream job in, in theory <laughs> and you're you're having second thoughts and i yeah. was like yeah but look at all these other things that i do that's what makes me happy yeah you know i, I don't like doing the same thing all the time that's why i hated the restaurant so much mm. um and so i uh I, I i said no to that job and then the week later i got asked to start writing for the herald Good, good call. Yeah, by yeah. someone who used to work at the restaurant, at, at the at the magazine that I just turned in the job for. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, it's, so instead of becoming my job, it just becomes one of these streams that mm. just feed into how my time is spent mm. and how my, you know, children are fed. Yeah. I think it's a fundamental, either you like the chaos of this pattern of living or yep. or it destroys you like if you need certainty this think, isn't yeah. the thing well i think though that is much more of a factor when you are a freelancer but you're not a slashy yeah if you are someone who is like i want to only make music and mm. dj or, or i want to only dj that's my job that's my dream that's mm. all i'm going to do that's how you burn out yeah that's how you hate what you're doing because you just do anything to ensure that you have money you should always pursue, in my opinion, if you are freelancing, you should always have a few tricks up your sleeve. Mm. And hopefully there will be a point where you don't need to rely on all those tricks. Or you could be like me and just realize that there's great elements to all of them. Yeah. And you could do a different job every week. Yeah. Like why why pick? If it, And I think life is sort of fluid enough now that it's an option, whereas, you know, 30 years ago, I think it was harder to yeah. juggle. Look, and it definitely is an option if you're at the point of privilege that we are at, uh, oh, it can't like, 100%. It, it, it's, it's, it's not something that, that everyone is able to, like no, no one's able, not everyone's able to freelance, let alone mm. be a slashy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, I feel very privileged to have been able to call all the bullshit I do a job. <laughs> and there are moments, I, I actually like, would you believe that now working out every day of the week, um, extremely limited sleep schedule because I have children who wake me up all the time. I'm the least tired I've ever been in my life. Mm, you look fresh. <laughs> um, and I, I think it is, it's, it's, it's about balance. Mm. And when you are a freelancer who has all these slashes to their name, you can't forget the slashes that don't make you money. But that you love. Like, so you need, like, mm. obviously like for me, like, you know, it's family and fitness and health. Um, and also just like you find an activity that is just your, your, your mind turns off mm. when you do it and, and program it into your week. I need to have a few hours every week where I sit on the couch and play a video game yeah. mm. or a few hours where I just like read a hundred issues of a comic book series where mm. it's just completely mindless. Like I actually love, I love flying yeah. because it is the only time where I can just have my phone off and I have no distraction. I'm like the longer the flight, the better. I would like, if, 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 if there was a job where they were like, and I didn't have kids. They were like, you have to fly to Europe every week. Yeah, like I was a, a, fucking a awesome. Thousand percent. I'm, I'm so I'm, I'm so keen. Yeah, I love I love uh, that 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 little cone in the air where you're just 
you can just only concentrate on doing stuff to take your mind off the flight. Mm. That, I, I like I save things. Up. If I know I've got a long flight coming up, I'm like, I'm going to read this on the long flight. I'm going to play mm. this on the long flight. Mm. Yeah. That is magic. But, but you should, if you, you should just always have, have time that you can do something that's completely unrelated to, to, to your, all your streams of, of revenue. Mm. That's just fun. Mm. That's, that, that's as important as fitness and, and family for me. Mm. The three F's. <laughs> Gross. It's worse than slashy. <laughs> Am I going to see an article on that? Yeah, 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 I bet so, yeah, yeah. It's writing, pitching that this yeah, yeah. afternoon. It's going to be golden. Well, you know, Lee Tran Lam did call you the ultimate slashy, and I can absolutely see why. Thank you for coming in. Thank you so much for having me, Chrissy. Thank you. You've been listening to The Slashies, made for Factory TV. Our guest today, Andrew Levins, who has done absolutely fucking everything with his life and even got in some self-care around the edges. We recorded at the Sausage Factory in Dulwich Hill, home to Chrissy's Cut Sausages and Sausage Queen Brewing. Our theme track, Well of Dreams by Monica, is going to be released through Lazy Thinking Records later this year. If you know a slashy, please do drop me a line. Goodness knows, I'm on social media a lot, so see you there. And come in and see me for a sausage sometime. Thanks for listening. So when I was under 30, yeah. uh, I was featured in timeouts 30 under 30 Ooh. and I was the only one in there who did multiple different things. So mm. the description of me was hilarious. I mean, whenever anyone introduces me on like a panel or a podcast or whatever, it's like, oh, our next guest is like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but so the description of me was hilarious, you know, and said all the different things I did and, and focus on that. Like, you know, like this guy does all these crazy different things. How cool. Um, and for whatever reason timeout website used to be able to comment on all the articles hmm. back then i'm sure they've turned that off now <laughs> um and uh every page of the 30 people that were in the 30 under 30 no one else had comments under their picture yeah. except me and the top comment was like um it's a shame levens keeps skimming the surface instead of focusing on one thing and doing a good job of it wow was yeah. that like your mother or no no no, no. <laughs> Although I did reply, I skimmed the surface of your mum last night. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. Poem. I'm also a poet. That's super touching. <laughs> no, but it was, yeah, it is. People are, people do view, like, I guess when you are married to the idea of, like, you know, this is my job, the one mm. thing that I focus on, mm. it is hard for people to accept that some of us do multiple things. Absolutely. It's a weird bullshit, though, because. Like there are a lot of hours in the day. Yeah, and also when you are hired to do one job, that doesn't you're not doing the one activity yes. or you know routine. I mean, unless you work at a factory work or whatever, uh, or or a chef. Um, but like you know, there are multiple. There are different different facets to your to your job, and mm. I think that I mean I, I just I'm self-employed. That's my job. Yeah. And then these are the different tasks that I do throughout the day mm. happen to be writing and DJing and mm. you know sometimes cooking and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Mm, yeah, I can see how your tax is just a nightmare. It's, it's fine now. Get Just pay for the most expensive accounting <laughs> software you can where it reads your bank account and then you just go business, not business, business, not business, business, not business. And, that, and then oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go, tax. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever break down your accounts or have your accountant break your accounts down by the streams of income or do you just have no. like a vague idea? Because yeah. they're all, they cross over so much. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. Yeah. Fascinating. That is that is a killer anecdote. Yeah. Uh, no.